Today on the 1012 Podcast, Shahan Raja and Scott Wildcat of Bosco's Boys join us to grade every single Big 12 team. It's the midseason. It's time for some midseason grades. Jamie is here as well, bringing the vibes as she always does. Who's getting A's? Who's getting F's? Who's getting something in between? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference Plus, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That's T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. Hands down, period, fantastic. Go check them out. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today to recap week seven in the Big 12. And we're doing something a little bit differently this week. We are go- we're, we're halfway through the season. Everyone's played six games. And so it feels like a good time to give some midseason grades out. We're going to do this in a way that everybody understands, A, B, C, D, F. We'll throw some pluses and minuses, uh, depending upon how myself and my guests view them. Uh, no Andy today. He is not with us, but we are we are always happy when the vibe queen of the 1012 Network is joining us. That is JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Do you know that they don't give letter grades anymore in Iowa, mostly, at least? So what, Wait, what is it? It's called standards-based grading, and uh, it's all based on Common Core, and you get exceed expectations secure developing beginning or insufficient data that isn't like the most corporate way God. to handle education i've ever i heard. wish you had told me this beforehand because then we would have written those down as our way of grading because insufficient data <laughs> is incredible it's so good and, right and like but it doesn't work that way because like Oklahoma State, insufficient data. Baylor, I think we have enough data to say, like, not good, but we'll get there. Uh, you've heard. They'd be I, I don't think they're in the conference, are they? I don't think we're talking about them <laughs> this episode. Uh, the two other voices you have heard so far joining us today. He is, look, I, when it comes to uh, voices who cover the Big 12 conference on a national level, I don't think there's anybody that any Big 12 fan uh, appreciates and admires as much as this man. One of the hardest working men right now. And I, I got to tell you, has been, like, gets back from London, wife is pregnant moving houses, covering college football. The fact that he gave us some time tonight to hop on and, and talk Big 12, either he just loves the conference that much 
or I just caught him in a moment of delirium and he didn't realize what he was agreeing to. He is Shahan Jayaraja of CBS Sports. Shahan, welcome back, man. Yeah, a little of this, a little of that. Also, like, listen, man, I, I was having this conversation with, uh, with some people actually when I was over at my cousin's wedding in London. I'm just so thrilled when people want to talk to me about something that's not NIL. I don't care. About <laughs> don't ask me any more questions about NIL. I don't care. Uh, it's not ruining college football that happened all the way back in 1984 with Oklahoma versus regions. Like, we don't have to keep doing this. Please stop asking me. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the other man who is joining us today. He is the host of Bosco's Boys, the Kansas State podcast here in the 1012 Network. He is our good friend, Scott Wildcat. Scott, welcome back, bud. I'm pumped. I get to talk to my three favorite people uh, in this space, and I'm getting to take the spot of my least favorite person in the space, <laughs> uh, and Andy Mitts. I'm kidding. I, I, I enjoy I enjoy going back and forth with Andy, but, but I, I truly do mean it. Shahan is my number one favorite, the only blue check big J I trust. Philip, I've gushed and talked about how much I enjoy talking to you. And then my celebrity crush in the world is JSJ. So <laughs> getting to come on 1012 and, and for the second time with her here as well. Uh, truly, I'm on cloud nine, even though, you know, we're fastly approaching my, you know, 60 year old uh, bedtime. You know, I'm usually zonked out with Chauncey by nine, but. I'll come on as late as you guys ever need me, especially if these two are also here. Wait, Shahan, are you a blue check? Are you a blue check? Well, he was. Um, he was I, back during I the was. blue. No, no, no. During when the it case- meant something. Right, when it was okay. real. It was authentic. Yeah, it well, wasn't- back when K-State fans were taking on anyone with a blue check and in the media, Shahan was the only one we trusted. And uh, I just kind of carry that forward. So, and. Shahan, he is like, I think the number three most listened to guest in the history of Bosco's boys behind only Jacob Poland and Gene Taylor. So if I, cause I've accumulated all the listens per guest. So Shahan just behind the greatest K-State basketball player and the greatest K-State AD. Well, we're going to have to go ahead and make sure that we lock Jerome Tang out of your podcast because he would uh, do numbers on me. I don't I don't need to see that. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, but I don't think Jerome Tang's ever coming on my show. I love Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang just doesn't love me. Uh, so so the, the, the definition of so many relationships in life. Uh, okay, so we are here to hand out some grades for the Big 12 in football. Uh, Jamie has so ever so kindly given us both the Isn't names of the grades incredible? and the descriptions. And so I'm going to do my best on the fly as we do this to utilize these five exceeds expectations to cure developing beginning and insufficient data. <laughs> insufficient data is like the nicest way to say like, look, I, there's it's it's a somebody wiped the motherboard and there's nothing left in there. We've got we literally for when just, a bunch of kids don't turn in their assignments, but you're not allowed to give them zeros anymore. <laughs> That's oh, not a that's joke, a, and I wish it was. That's when uh, that's when Baylor tries to play a 260-pound guy at nose tackle. That's what we call <laughs> insufficient data. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right, uh, we we do have a set order. We'll tur- I have a few notes that I've written down uh, about the games from this past weekend, so we don't completely ignore them while we do this. Uh, let's start off with the West Virginia Mountaineers, now 4-2 and two after probably the drunkest, wildest, weirdest, craziest game A of the season and B that I've seen in quite some time. I don't think I can recall 
a wilder final minute of a single football game I've ever watched. I think, okay, let's recap this, okay? Like, West Virginia gets the ball. They march down the field. And I don't really march. Like, there's a 50-yard touchdown pass that crosses the, the goal line with 12 seconds left. So Houston's got the ball with, like, 12 seconds. By the way, Garrett Green decided to take his helmet off in the end zone, resulting in a penalty backing up the punt, putting Houston in a better field position. And so Donovan Smith, one short pass, and then a 49-yard Hail Mary that's bounced around because the West Virginia defenders don't bat it down. And so within literally 20 seconds of game clock, we've gone from West Virginia has found a way to win on the road and miraculous come from behind. Oh, nope, sorry. Uh, I'm being told right now that they then gave up a Hail Mary touchdown and lost that game. Um, uh, we can talk about the game. I'm giving West Virginia a C at this point of the season. West Virginia fans are going to get mad at me about that, probably. I don't know. They're I think they're a little bit down right now. Um, I got a lot of flack last week in our power rankings for only having West Virginia fifth and being told that they should have been higher than fifth. No one's arguing with me for dropping them a few spots in our power rankings now. Like, at this point with West Virginia... Like, I thought the defense was good. I still think it's solid. This weekend really makes me ask some questions about the West Virginia defense. Um, the offense, ew, I I don't know. I just, I come away from this going like, is West Virginia going to make a bowl game? Yes. Um, are they still exceeding expectations? They're, hey, not, not that great. I'm not going to give them an exceeds expectations grade. Um, I would give them a mm, developing grade. There we go. Developing student shows some understanding <laughs> reminders, hints, and suggestions are needed to promote understanding. <laughs> that's a descriptive, that's a perfect description for West Virginia. Uh, Sean, <laughs> what are your thoughts on WVU? Well, I had this discussion a little bit with somebody who I know who's pretty well connected in West Virginia, because, uh, you know, in my in my winners and losers piece from the weekend, I called Neil Brown a loser. And he kind of took issue with that because he was like, well, you know, what were really expectations? And I think the answer was like, I thought that West Virginia was kind of going on the like crash the party course that we thought the Tex Tech could go. Right. Like, that's kind of what it felt like until that the, the Hail Mary. And it's not just necessarily that the loss itself is so devastating. I mean, obviously, the the storyline of the Dana Holgerson thing and Houston being in last place, like that stuff matters. But it's more how it shapes the rest of their path, because you started to look at them as a team that like, all right, well, if you win this game, are, is nine wins legitimately on the table? I, th I think that you could have made that case, right? I mean, Oklahoma State this week, you know, maybe that's a game we'll talk about in a little bit. Like, that's, I think, going to be a big game for them. But UCF doesn't look all that scary. You get BYU at home. You know, you go on the road to Oklahoma. That's a tough game. But then Cincinnati and at Baylor, like, that's a lot of winnable games. And all of a sudden, losing this game means, all right, well, like, then the ceiling is kind of like being eight and five and feisty. And I thought we were past that. Like, like that's that's what I think was disappointing. Is I thought we were past that with uh, West Virginia. I thought that we could feel good about them. Now, I want to be clear, like, I think that they still, you know, again, the grading curve over here is just is just freaking me out, man. Because like obviously they've exceeded expectations, but that's not they don't reach the top 
<laughs> level of uh of obviously our our thing i think that they very much deserve a b I, I think that they are very much ahead of schedule uh where i had them which was obviously last in the conference as many people have reminded me but uh but certainly i mean if if they win this game against houston i think that they have a real chance to have an a and i think that it changes the way that we're going to look at their season heading forward what just happened on thursday so I I did all my grading versus what I expected coming into this season. I didn't change uh, the target on West Virginia once things gotten started. Uh, when I go back, every podcast I went on talking about the Big 12, I said Neil Brown was going to be fired before October, and, and I, I thought that they maybe have one win at that point. They, they 100% have an A for me, and, and when I'm looking at – uh, everything else except for there's one score that I have higher than them. Um, they beat Pitt. Pitts, I mean, sucks, but then hey, they, then they beat Louisville, right? You know, the ACC is like drunk, but not in a fun way. It's like, oh man, my <laughs> uncle's having a rough year at Thanksgiving drunk, not night before Thanksgiving drunk, like the Big 12. Um, but but West Virginia, they beat their hated rival for the first time in a game in West Virginia versus them in like way too long. Um, they're going to be going to a bowl game and Neil Brown is going to save his job. Yeah. He's not going to win big 12 coach of the year, uh, which maybe he was in line to before that Houston game. Um, but I don't, I don't see how anyone could sit back and kind of look where anyone had them coming into the season and look at where they are at the mid midway point and not give them an A. Yeah. See, that's the thing with this uh, grading scale is that, we're talking grade level expectations. So if you're looking at your expectations, a lot of people have changed theirs drastically based on preseason and then West Virginia coming out and showing that they are, uh, in fact, a competent team. Maybe not consistent, but they're competent, right? So I I like your uh, your strategy there, Scott, to compare it to your preseason expectations because by that yes absolutely they are exceeding the expectations that literally anyone I saw I did not see a single person even throwing out a contrarian opinion that they were going to be not even just not terrible but decent so they've they've definitely shown at least that but if you then kind of adapted and said all right well they've really shown that they can compete and then thought that they could be challenging for that top of the conference that's dropped off a little bit as a result of that one loss but um i pleasantly surprised uh Look, having more teams that are actually decent means that you get more good games, right? So even when it doesn't end up going their way in the end with that crazy, crazy finish versus Houston, you get a solid game out of it and you get, again, something to build off of where they still have so many winnable games ahead of them because the bottom might not be exactly who we anticipated it would be, but there's still plenty of teams in the Big 12 that are going to be extremely beatable for West Virginia. A lot of teams very beatable for West Virginia, except for Houston. Uh, so the Houston Cougars. Well, they were beatable. They just didn't do it. I mean, lots of things are possible, um, but if they don't happen, you know, theory theory only works so far. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm being mean. Uh, okay. So for Houston, look, I'm, I'm going to give them a D. I, I have a D for the year. Um, I'm going to give them a temporary reprieve from the bottom of the power rankings this week because they got a win. And so, you know, 
over. They have, by the way, Houston is now the first and only newcomer to have a win over the, I was going to call them the incumbent 10, because when I said original 10, I got weird pushback from a variety of Big 12 fans. Like, actually, TCU and West Virginia joined the, thanks, thanks for the history lesson that missed the entire point of what I was saying. Anywho, nerds, uh, Houston's now the only team to have a win over the incumbent 10. So congrats to them. Now, I'm not going to overreact here with Houston. I've learned better than to overreact to wins by Dana Holgerson at Houston. Fool me once, shame on me. Uh, if you do want some good news for Houston, Donovan Smith has been everything I had hoped he would be over the last three games uh, when he came over to Houston. He was 16 for 16 in his final 16 passes in this game. Did not throw incompletion in the second half. Threw for 214 yards and four touchdowns during that stretch. Over his last three games for Houston, Donovan Smith has completed just about 76% of his passes for 882 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Donovan Smith has been absolutely fantastic for Houston. Helped them in a win on... Thursday, had to think about that for a second, almost said Friday. Um, we'll see if the rest of the team can carry them forward. But I, I'm giving them a D. Like, look, I know the, the expectations for Houston were low, but like expectations for Houston in the Big 12 because of all the things that Houston's supposed to have going for it in the state of Texas and the, all they've been investing and building to try and be able to come in here. And you you hired Dana because he knew the Big 12 and he was going to be the big time guy. And he's like, I can't recruit. You can't recruit players to West Virginia. That's why I'm going to Houston. And for the season to have started the way that it has like congrats on this win it's just like it's it's hard to look at a houston team that has the some of the players that it has on the roster and go like yeah this is this is it's not an f but uh i'm gonna give it beginning student shows little understanding of the concept additional teacher support is needed (laughs) no i'm i'm right there with you i think i think a d is fair i obviously look the newcomers it was always going to be a little difficult i think it's probably uh you know outside of one team that's actually been i think kind of impressive i mean it's been perhaps even worse than i expected in some ways just dealing with some of those depth issues i remember with houston heading into the year i thought well look can you really build a whole team out of just wide receivers and i guess the answer is no uh i will say look the west virginia game that's just a things happen game I was pretty encouraged by what they showed against Texas Tech, too. Like, they competed for most of that game and just kind of got out-talented at the end there. So I don't think that this is... Like, like I think that heading into that stretch, the thought was like, oh, this is just the worst team in the Big 12 by a while. I, I think that they potentially have the ability to pick up another win or two uh, as the season goes on, but, like, that's still not enough to get you to bowl eligibility, and it's still not enough, I think, to meet the expectations that people in Houston had coming into the year. See, I, I guess uh, we probably should have shown our work and like said where we expected them to be before this because I actually have Houston at a C plus. I expected them to be bad. They've been bad. Uh, they beat UTSA, a team I really like, and then they lost to Rice. Cancels each other out, and and I didn't expect them to make hardly any noise in in, in the Big Twelve. And I kind of gave them a little bump for getting the first win over a uh, you know incumbent ten. Um, so I, I actually have them as my highest graded out of all the newcomers, uh, because again, outside of one of them, I had next to zero expectations for any of them. And really, uh, most of them, except for one are meeting about what I expected. And then I just kind of gave them a little bit of a kiss. Uh, you know, everyone says, Hey, Houston might be the team, uh, that is set up to do well in the long run. 
again, I, I had them, I believe, at number 13 or 12 coming into this year. I had no expectations for them, and they're they're kind of just living up to that. So, you know, in the old school before Common Core, you know, a C is, hey, you know, it's average. It's what, what we expect. Uh, so I'm giving them a little bit of a kiss for that uh, miraculous comeback for, versus West Virginia because I'm not opposed to pandering to the West Virginia or uh, to the Houston fans. Unlike Philip, um, he's not going to pander to him. C's, I will C's say, get degrees. Uh, just C's get degrees. They just, do. Just to, for context, I, I had them at about six and six, which I think if they don't lose that Rice game, might have been doable. I, I think that that's off the table because of losing that game. And also, I mean, again, that's a game that you just do not lose at Houston. I mean, it's not acceptable. Well, and lose. it was an embarrassing one because, I mean, again, it wasn't was it like played on a Friday night in front of a crowd that did, doesn't even draw Texas Friday night lights games? I mean, that was just like a disgusting game. Yeah. No, it, it's the kind of game that you just can't lose. And also, by the way, they went down 28-0 in that game too, right? And so, like, it's going to look like a closed game at the end. It, it really, you know, was a bad, bad performance. And so, for me, like... I think that uh, it's more that they've blown opportunities to do what I think that they should have done. And I don't think it's going to get easier from here. Yeah, I feel like if you're trying to set yourself up as one of, if not the kind of team for the future of the Big 12 to be the one that's actually going to rise quicker than the others coming in, um, at least of this year's four, the way that you do that is you show that you are clearly better than your non-conference opponents unless you, for whatever reason, had scheduled a big power five, which they didn't. And then you compete when you can in conference. And so, again, to drop that rice game um, is a, a huge missed opportunity. Uh, you pound Sam Houston. Y- you should. Your first game of the year against UTSA you win. So, I mean, that's, that's your standard of, okay, that's, that's doing at least part of what you should do. And then when you look back and you say, okay, you lost in not terrific fashion against the TCU team. That is probably not as good as they even looked. Then you lose to tech and then you get that one against West Virginia. You've just, you've had some indications that things could be going really well you have some things that look like oh this is going to be the start of the downfall it's just been very up and down and so it's it's really hard to judge always for me halfway through a season because I don't like to say things and be wrong um I'm not used to that but (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's there's a lot to uh still be learned but at the moment it's pretty middle of the road you know you're you're in between like a beginning to developing where like you you maybe are a little bit further along than other people at your same level but you're not ready to really compete in the league quite yet i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, I will note, 
the reason I had a little bit of hope for the newcomers when they got to the Big 12 this year was you've had two years to prepare. You've all been building toward this for a while. And the transfer portal is supposed to help kind of fix things in a way that TCU and West Virginia didn't have when they joined the Big 12 back in 2012, right? TCU and West Virginia both went 4-5 and five in conference play then. Granted, Kansas was awful back then. Absolutely awful. 1-11 that year. Um, but both made it to a bowl game. Both went 6-6 six and six in the regular season, 4-5 and five in conference play. And so at this point, like I'm not saying none of the four are going bowling, but if you look at the what should be advantages for those four newcomers now compared to back then, it does really start to feel like a very disappointing start to the Big Tail tenure to the four newcomers. We'll, we'll see how it plays out in the back half of the schedule, but I'm, I'm at this point, I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed in in all of them, except for I, maybe one. I want to throw something out there and see if, if you guys agree. I think it, it's more of a sign of the old Big East and then the old Mountain West being far superior to what the American was uh, in, in the buildup of them coming to the Big 12. As much as, you know, the American tried to say, oh, it's still the power six, you know, we're, we're number six. I don't think that iteration of the American would have held a candle to the end of the Big East football or even the Mountain West uh, that TCU came in through. So I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I, I don't think it's frankly close. So I, two two things I'll say to that. I mean, I think that one, you look at where West Virginia and TC were specifically, right, as programs coming into the league, like both of them were within one year of being in major, major games, of being like top five in the country. And the other thing that I'll mention is like, I think just in general, the sport has become more stratified is probably another part of it too, right? Where like, I don't even think that, I mean, Cincinnati managed to do it. They managed to finish top four, but like, it is almost impossible to like really build your way towards that for a number of reasons, I think at this point. So, I mean, I, I do think that that's part of it. I do also think that again, like if, if, if these teams join the league in 2021, I think that maybe we're talking about them a little bit different. Whereas like, you know, where I, I don't think that it necessarily looks quite the same when they're coming in in 2023. All right. Uh, all right, let's move on. I've got Iowa state next, Jamie. I'm giving Iowa State a B minus. I'm throwing the minus in there. I, I I would say at this point, well, uh, I'll I'll give them a secure student can apply the skill or concept correctly and independently. Look, every year I have to remind myself to forget what happens in the non-conference, and every year I forget. I go into the air and I'm like, okay, we're gonna be ready for this season. Three games in, I'm like, oh no, we know what Iowa State is and it's terrible. Then we go, oh, that's right. <laughs> Matt Campbell doesn't care about the first three games of the season. I forget every single year. After the first three, Iowa State went, hey, we can't run the ball. Let's become a spread offense. Completely switched things up. And now our three and one in conference play after an abysmal start to the season. Oh, by the way, Rocco Beck now looks like the, the true future for the Cyclones at quarterback. I'm going to give him a B minus. I'm going to ignore Matt Campbell's non-con tendencies and say like, I this, this, I have been impressed by Iowa State so far in conference play. And with the way the conference kind of stacks up, like we we could have a very nice Iowa State season moving forward. 
I mean, can we just like erase the seven minutes in the in the second quarter against Oklahoma? Because if we could do that, like Iowa State's been pretty impressive since Big 12 play has started. I was I, I feel like I didn't understand how low people were on them coming into the year. Like, obviously, they lost a couple of really key pieces. I had them around like a six and six team. So I, I think that for me, they're at about a B. I mean, again, like you, you, you say that, and then you start thinking about like, man, they lost Ohio, but like they have certainly th- turned things around. I think that they've got some stuff on both sides of the ball that you feel really good about. They're starting to run the ball a little better, which is something that you didn't think would necessarily happen. And, and like you said, they're letting Rocco Beck cook, and uh, and Jaden Higgins is a big time player at receiver. So, I mean. I think that this is one where, you know, obviously I, I think you have to penalize them for the first three games now, but by the end of the year, I mean, if this was one of the teams that's competing, uh, you know, to be top five in the big 12, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I have them at a B minus as well. Again, uh, I don't think you can just ignore that loss uh, at Ohio. Um, but look, uh, especially by the end of the year, if TCU and Oklahoma state kind of figure it out, people aren't going to remember, Oh, you know, that, that, that was, you know, uh Gundy pre, uh, you know, Alan Bowman, which is a weird thing to say, you know, pre Alan Bowman uh, being the guy, Oklahoma State and TCU uh, before, you know, they figured out, oh, we started the wrong quarterback once again. Um, so I think even those big 12 wins are going to look a lot better by the end of the year. So as much as it pains me, I wish I could just come in and slap an F across Matt Campbell's face, uh, B minus. <laughs> and, and he has proven that despite not having an agent, he he can coach football. <laughs> Uh, I, again, despite what I tried to argue with Shahan the first time he ever came on my show. Yeah, I don't vent frustrations uh, for Iowa State publicly, uh, but I did some venting privately after <laughs> the non-con. Uh, not, not, to, not the most fun non-conference uh, slate I've ever seen. Uh, not the worst, because, you know, I've uh, been an Iowa State fan for a long time, but it's mm. <laughs> not the point of today to discuss uh, my my distaste with the way that we handle non-conference. Uh, I, I do maybe buy in a little bit to a discussion that I've had many, many times with a couple group chats that uh, in retrospect, perhaps having some of your biggest players on the team, most important players on the team, throwing up the entire way you're on your way to a game might affect the way you play it. I suppose. Either way, don't like the Ohio loss. But beyond that, to then bounce back, and not just the way that they performed, but the manner in which they played to actually make those adjustments and have them in place for the conference season. We've seen it before. Obviously, things change a lot when we get to conference season. That's why Iowa State has the reputation that they do regarding the non-conference. But they were very significant adjustments that were made to the offense. And so there's some inconsistencies still across the board, but especially the defenses is kind of uncharacteristically up and down Um, which is also a little bit frustrating, but I think, I think just a little bit above average is about right. You'd be looking at, you know, that B-ish 
range, depending on what you expected of them, that developing plus range. You're not secure, but you're getting there. All right. Uh, the team that they uh, beat by 20 on Saturday, Cincinnati, the Bearcats. I'm giving you an F plus. I'm being nice to giving you a plus, right? Like there's a plus on there. It's not just a flat F. Uh, frankly, like the offense has been kind of as bad as we thought it might be coming into the season. They're averaging 14 points per game in conference play right now. Um, they can put up some yards points on the other hand are, are hard to come by. And frankly, the defense, I had higher expectation for the defense and it looks solid to start the year, but like it has not been great the last few weeks. I'm going to call it, I'm not even going to give it insufficient data. Like I've got enough data to just say that they are a beginning. Uh, student shows a little understanding of the concept. Additional teacher support is needed. I'm in a lot of after-school uh, lecture uh, tutoring here is required for Cincinnati. Like I, I didn't love the Satterfield hire when it happened. I haven't seen beating Pitt doesn't mean anything this year. So I have yet to see anything that really makes me go like, no, 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 this this hire it was good. It was it was going to work out. I was I was wrong. I think. For me, I, I have them higher. I, I have them at like a C minus. I just didn't expect very much from them this year. I, I just think that this is a program that is completely restarting in a lot of ways. Defensively, they have showed some moments. I mean, against they they played Oklahoma as close as anybody this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, again, they just don't have the offense to do it. Uh, you know, shout out to the Cincinnati fans in my mentions who said that actually Emory Jones was good now. Uh He's, he's not sorry <laughs> I, I do wish that we got to see a little bit more of their backup quarterbacks uh you know they, they have a blue chip kid who came in this year I, I like just what's what's the harm at this point right what what are you still doing at this point because Corey Connor's a dude at running back I think that he's a legit player um you know they have like some talent at receiver like I don't know just try something new like that's that's probably my biggest frustration with them is that they just keep doing this same thing that's not working but you know their front is pretty good they don't have the depth still even on the defensive side of the ball I think to withstand a full season but again there's a reason that Luke Fickle left when he did too (laughs) he knew that he had a generation age out of his program and so for me I like I get it I I, I'm not trying to sit here and say it's it's been a great season but it's about what I expected yeah, the, the if if we were grading the state of their program, I would give it an F. Uh, but it's the midseason grade C. They're exactly what I expected. I think that they have the worst head coach, and he can't see the next worst with binoculars. And I think they have the worst roster. Um, I, I I think every single first year student currently attending the University of Cincinnati will leave that institution either with a degree or under their own volition and never see a bowl season. I think that they are in deep trouble and until they move on from Sattersfield and I I would not give him a second year. I would not give him a second year. It was a horrible hire in the first place. They were trying to make some sort of splash of, Oh, we're stealing a sitting power coach. No, you saved a buyout. Uh, It was a horrible hire. Roster's not good. It's not going to get better. Uh, state of the program's an F, but this is what I expected, so they get a C. Making bad decisions at poor times is is painful. I don't have anything else to add, but woof. That's that's rough. That's that's blistering, Scott. And for the record, not wrong, but ow. 
<laughs> and I just want to say this when we started our podcast uh, back in the dying days of the Bill Snyder era, I'm not going to pretend like I know how to hire a coach because my hot list was uh, Seth Luttrell turned out to burn out and get fired from North Texas. And Scott Sattersfield was also on that list. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know how to pick them either. Fortunately, you're not being paid to do so either. So exactly. It's okay Fortunately, the greatest yeah. AD in the country, Gene Taylor made that hire, not me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think for me, the thing is I'm willing to write off Louisville as being just a really bad fit for Satterfield. The the thing that I have an issue with is I feel like Cincinnati's a bad fit for all those same reasons. You know, I mean, he is when you look at what he did, right? Like he's kind of like an isolated mountain coach who uh, coached guys up and developed at a high level. And you went to one other city program, right? To Louisville. You go to another city program that's trying to transition up now in Cincinnati. And you almost have to establish everything from the ground up. And I just don't think you have the time to do that uh, these days at Cincinnati, especially coming into the big 12. And, you know, look, I, I am nowhere near as down on it as Scott is. I certainly thought it was a bad hire when it was made. Um, but, you know, I, I'm willing to give him this offseason to kind of see, like, look, I mean, the recruiting class is fine. They're, you know, they're they're starting to, to, to hit on a couple of their their bigger name guys. I mean, they're they're leveraging, I think, their CFP run in, still in some ways. But, like, I do think that if they're not dang close to a bowl in 2024 i i think that it's reasonable to pull the trigger at that point but again they they just don't have the roster this year and i, I there are coaches who could have changed that but i i don't think that was ever really the plan i don't know the guy who replaced it at louisville is not doing a terrible job uh this previous saturday well, aside he's very good he won the big 10 west last year at purdue like he's okay a good coach. The, the big 10 west couldn't go head to head with the missouri valley I, football conference so let's just that's probably true down. but but jeff brom is legitimately a good coach and there is a there is a, a good reason why they wanted to push him out for jeff brom i would love iowa would love the opportunity to win a bunch of uh five to three games on a, on a weekly basis uh okay let's move on to the kansas jayhawks i have a b for Kansas, um, I, I think people came into the season, and if you want to use preseason expectations, like I, I do think people were like, "Well, last year was great; it was a little bit fluky," and and there was some question about this year of can they take another step forward? And I think they have. Like I, I even without having Jalen Daniels, wh- who continues to be injured, and having to ride with Jason Bean, like I know you lost on Saturday at Oklahoma State, offense struggled in the second half, mistakes were made. I know you got thumped by Texas. Like, that's fine. Like, I still think that this program isn't moving forward. This team this year is going to continue to move forward. Like you're going to not making a bowl game at this point. I mean, you've got five wins would be a catastrophe, not making to seven, maybe even eight wins this year. I think it's all right in front of them. I thought they were the third best team in the big 12. There might be eight third best teams in the big 12 with the way the big 12 is working out right now. If you told me that, that, seven teams finished tied for third place it wouldn't shock me but like i i think this is a good kansas season and i think it's it's good to it, it stinks for kansas because this does feel like you know we talk all the time about big 12 it's all about hitting the peak of your development cycle and that's when you try and, and make a run for the conference championship make a run for arlington if texas was a normal old texas like they've been for the last decade plus like kansas probably goes to austin and wins that game as well as they've been playing and we're talking about kansas like 
Is this the year that we keep the someone new makes the conference championship game ever since it came back streak alive? But I think it's a good Kansas team. I think it's a good year. I'm giving them a B. I will give them a, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll, we'll go with secure. Student can uh, apply the skill or concept correctly and independently. No, I mean, I think I think a B is the right grade. I think that they've, like you said, done everything that we've hoped and a little bit more than that. Uh, I, I wish, you know, for their sake that they had been able to survive that game on Saturday. Uh, I think I would have felt like, like, I think that's what could have pushed it into like the A minus range. But, um, you know, I do think that like, like you said, they should make a bowl game. And like, it, it's really not in doubt at this point. And for me, I said come coming into the year that if they're able to go through and convincingly make a bowl game that to me shows staying power which is more important to me than any high end that they could do so you know it's obvious I I think just for like college football it sucked that Jalen Daniels has not been healthy because I don't think we've gotten to see uh the full complement of Kansas in a lot of ways but uh again they should feel really good about where they're at and uh, uh you know just make sure and get one more man so I, I have a B plus for KU, and that's actually my second highest grade. Um, I, I was saying, hey, I, I think KU goes five and seven, but they're better. Uh, they lucked out because Illinois uh, does not seem to be good. Uh, we're seeing what UCF is. I don't think there's anything uh, interesting or really even positive about any of their individual games. You know, they kind of played with their own food. And honestly, if it wasn't for a couple of defensive scores, might have lost to BYU. Uh, they played uh, one of the worst teams in FBS Nevada way too close. But at the end of the day, they're KU and they're five and two. Uh, if that if that isn't a B plus uh, for them, uh, even despite that schedule, despite not having a, an individual performance that I truly consider impressive, um, but they're five and two, and they're going to probably be seven and five, they're going to break one of the longest power five streaks of having losing consecutive seasons. Despite getting to a bowl game last year, they had a losing record. That's going to break this year. And and, and I think that uh, assuming Lance Leipold doesn't do something stupid, like go to Michigan state. I mean, I think he's on like building a, for at least a small statue trajectory in Lawrence. So uh, B plus for KU. A bust at the very least. There we go. Or a plaque, maybe. You know, kind of like Cooper Sound plaque with his face on there. There's there's certainly something to be said for demonstrating that uh a year is uh more indicative of a trend than an anomaly. And they are back and they're doing well. And that's I feel like that's about all there is to say on that from someone who isn't gonna give you a whole lot of deep analysis. So there you go. Ah, vibes only, vibes only. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, the team they lost to on Saturday, Oklahoma State, I'm giving a C. But I'm going to use the insufficient data as the grading scale, not assessed. The standard was not assessed during the reporting term because I can make all the jokes I want in the world about Matt Campbell in the non-conference. I don't know what Mike Gundy did 
with the three quarterback system for the first three weeks of the season is one of the greatest coaching, most egregious coaching errors I have ever seen ever. And for it to come from somebody who's been doing it as long as he has, and for them to still end up with a quarterback everyone knew they would after all of that. And hey, look, he's starting to play pretty well. The team's offense is playing better and they're getting better each week. Like, good heavens. So at this point, I have three games of data to use through seven weeks of the season. It's the three conference games, which they are now two and one against. And one can make the argument they might have been in a more competitive against Iowa State had you not, I'm going to earmuffs kids, dicked around with Gavin Gun or the Gundy kid. I was to say Gavin, that's the other child, whatever. And Garrett Rangel for three weeks for no reason whatsoever. So you get a C because you're looking good now. And that's the only thing I have to go off of, but I'm not going to pretend like the first three weeks of the season didn't happen. I had to watch every minute of it painstakingly, so I'm not going to just forgive you for it. Yeah, what what was that? Just just all of that. Like, what what was the point of that? What were you doing? Like, I, it was just, I mean, again, it's working now. They're in good shape. I mean, I I will give them a C plus. I and I think that by the end of the year we could be looking at a B plus. Like I I think that this could be happening. But like that is what a coach does when he does not fear God, right? Like when he knows that he is more powerful than any man in the history of Stillwater, Oklahoma. He's just like, what if I let my son try? What what if I got to do that? Right? Like actually, you know. This is like the worst version somehow of the parents thing. This is like, uh, you know, <laughs> like let's, let's just see, let's just see what happens. I don't know. Like, uh, what are they gonna do? Fire me? Isn't it like twenty million dollars at any point to fire him? Like he does not care. And now he's like, all right, well, it's it's winning time now, and now he's gonna go and win eight games, and I'm gonna pull my hair out because I don't understand how this is possible, but. I mean, again, the, the Iowa State loss, like you said, if if Alan Bowman is practicing with his receivers full time for three weeks, then that probably looks a little better. And also that win just or that loss just doesn't look that bad anymore. Like Iowa State is actually just pretty good. So I don't know, man, like I, I just I it is so bizarre and infuriating. I'm glad that Oklahoma State has finally realized, hey man, just just give Ollie Gordon the ball and get out of the way and just uh, come on, like give Brennan Presley the ball in space. That's all you have to do. But I mean, yeah, I I think that right now they're at a C plus. Um, but I just I just I just don't understand. I I don't understand. I I don't understand. And uh, I'm going to not. Okay, that's not true. I'll watch every second of this team. But I am, like, morally not talking about this team again until November 4th because uh, that's the only thing I'm judging them on from here on out. I I have them at a B-. minus. Basically, I kind of echoing you, you two. I'm just like, hey, I, I maybe had a little slightly, slight, slightly lower expectation for them. Um, but I made a joke to Philip when he came on my show. I was like, yeah, you know, you're saying all this stuff, but they're going to end up going 9-3. and three and maybe making it to Arlington on some weird tiebreakers. Uh, Oklahoma State is going to finish this year 9-3. and three. Mark this down. That's all I got. I, look, at least, at least if, if Iowa State had to watch what they do in preseason 
through the past few years. At least now we got someone to commiserate with. Because <laughs> very much, what was any of that? Look, I've I'm I very openly don't understand most things about football. Like, let's be very clear about that. Uh, we're mostly going on, uh, listening to people who know what they're talking about, asking my husband stupid questions and vibes. But even I know that was crazy, right? That should, I mean, that about says everything for it. But then you figure it out and you just keep on trucking. It's crazy. Like, it shouldn't be possible to have that much of a switch up, let alone to have multiple people doing that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I'm I'm not sure there's a weirder way Oklahoma State could have gotten to four and two than the way they chose to do so. But here we are. Uh, He's completing side quests. He's just like mm, we've had normal seasons. <laughs> Let's try this. If I raise, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> handicap myself and try and claw back just to feel something. I, uh, all right, TCU. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I'm giving the Horn Frogs a C minus. Uh, stomping BYU isn't going to make me suddenly believe in TCU. I will say this: if Josh Hoover looks as good against Kansas State as he did against BYU, we need to have a conversation about Sonny Chandler Morris' problem and their weird obsession with making him the starter. If he got a second straight year where we go, thank God he got hurt, or we might have had a terrible, we may not have had a good year. They don't make it. They don't beat Michigan and go to the national championship game last year with Chandler Morris as a starting healthy quarterback all season long. Uh Oh, Shahan wants to pitch. Okay. All right. I'm C minus. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think C minus is fair. Uh, Their real answer is that they're cursed and like, it's impossible to pick the right quarterback because like Chandler Morris came in as a backup quarterback and knocked Baylor out of the college football playoff. Like, it just doesn't matter who they pick. It's wrong. It does not matter who that player is. They just keep picking Chandler Morris for some reason. And next year, they'll pick Josh Hoover, and he'll get hurt, and they'll put Chandler Morris in, and he'll go win a Heisman. Like, that's what's going to happen. It does not matter who the name is. They've got the most bizarre curse of all time. I don't know what it is. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I mean... Honestly, I, I think that I might give TCU a D plus actually, because it's just, to, uh, to, I mean, the, it's not that the losses themselves are egregious. I, the Colorado one is still more and more egregious, but mm-hmm. it's just, they're a non-factor right now. They're a non-entity in the big 12. And after the year that they had last year, after the run that they had, I mean, it's just very hard to see them doing anything coming close to competing for the conference. And, and not that I expected them to be top two, but they're just irrelevant right now. And TCU is too good a program right now to be irrelevant. Yeah, I had them at a D plus. The only thing that isn't an F is, you know, I thought they looked really good versus BYU. Uh, again, I don't think very highly of BYU, but, uh, you know, put up a big number. And, and I that, that Colorado loss uh, is looking worse and worse. I, I give them uh, just the tiniest of passes because I don't think anyone actually knew what Colorado was going to do on offense. I mean, what what tape were you going to go off of to, to get a game plan okay. together? Par- Parker argues this ve- against that point vehemently. Okay, well, Parker isn't here, so Parker <laughs> yeah. can just shut up. Uh, and, and I don't I, I don't care about the Parker thing, uh, but it is worth noting that, yeah, Sean Lewis coached under and learned the system from Dino Babers 
the former wide receiver coach at Baylor. And by the way, that's uh, that's Kendall's dad who was running that program. So we should know a little bit about Sean Lewis uh, okay, things so, about offense. Okay, well, fine. You you and Philip and Parker can all gang up <laughs> against me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I gave him a D plus. That's it. That's fine. Uh, that's fair. Uh, the team that they stomped on Saturday, BYU. I look. Uh, I know. Look again. I don't want to overreact to one game. I think you take away the two defensive scores against Kansas and BYU's in that game. Um, you got destroyed at TCU. It happens. Uh, TCU might just be the one school where the fans are right and you should play the backup, but based on Shahan's notes so far, I'm giving BYU a B minus. Like I had low expectations for BYU. Did not think the defense was going to be worth anything. The defense has actually been fairly solid. I mean, the offense hasn't been great. I think Keaton Slovis has been very solid having to be the entire offense on his own because they don't have a run game. I'm giving BYU a B minus in part just because I think they've been the best of the four newcomers. Like, I think they've, they, they have played well. We, we can talk about Arkansas's record. Like, I think going on the road and beating Arkansas was a good win. I, you, you took care of Cincinnati. You had a close loss at Kansas where, you know, defensive scores be damned. And then you got stomped by TCU. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a good with where BYU is this year, especially compared to, like, we didn't know preseason expectations. Yes, they came in as the four newcomers who's typically played the most Power 5 competition. But I was so down on the defense before the year. I've been very pleasantly surprised with it. And, like, BYU... It, BYU might be the only f- of the four newcomers who goes to a bowl game this year. And so I'm going to give him credit for it. It's B minus. No. And like the TCU game, the, it, they just, it, it was one of, it was like a game script thing, right? Like they just lost control of it so early with the pick six and it just kind of went the wrong direction. And so, you know, obviously 44 to 11 never feels good, but I mean, they've been, I think, very solid this year. Like you said, uh, probably the, I mean, easily the best of the newcomers, but like, What's impressed me so far is I think that their depth has held up. They were actually the program that in some ways I was most worried about from a depth perspective because they, they're going from a situation where they played four games a year to all of a sudden now having to play 10 because they played Arkansas also in the non-conference. And so I think they've held up pretty well. You know, I'm Keaton Slovis has had his moments and I, I think that he's been good enough most weeks uh, other than again, I, I, the way that they react after this TCU game, I think is going to say a lot about where this program is, but, uh, but, you know, I think that they've done a nice job to me. Yeah. Like they've clearly risen above expectations. I, I wasn't sure if they'd get to four at all <laughs> this year, honestly. And so to be in a position where you just have to steal two more somewhere to make a bowl game, I mean, I think that's pretty good shape. And uh, this game against Texas Tech, I think, is going to teach us a lot about them, too. Yeah, I have them right right at a C. They're right about my expectations. Again, I, th- I think that Arkansas game exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, the, the KU game a little bit and, and some of the mistakes they made on offense. And then that TCU game kind of, you know, a little bit below my expectation. So it comes out to write that average C for BYU. Um, it, you know, if they do end up at a bowl game, though, if we do postseason uh, grades, if they get to a bowl game, I, I do think that puts them in that B to B plus range for me. So if they do find two more wins, I think it might be difficult, especially if they don't get Texas Tech. Uh, but if they get to a bowl game, I, I would have a hard time giving them anything worse than a B or B plus. 
Yeah, I mean, if they get two more wins, those would both be coming over our incumbent teams, right? So that already would be a pretty significant boost there. You know, the standard that I was holding Houston to was looking at how do you perform in your non-conference? That is the number one thing there where beat the teams that you're quote unquote supposed to beat. They did that, you know, and, and that it doesn't frankly, to me, really matter that much whether uh, Arkansas is a great win or not a great win. Like, they got the win. That's really the the caliber of opponent there to be is not really that relevant. Um, and then you come into conference, and yeah, you've you've had some, some struggles there a little bit. Like you said there, Shayon, against TCU uh, got out of control really early. But ultimately, you beat one of the other incoming teams, You've at least made it look like you you have some things that you are moving in the right direction. Uh, so I would say, you know, slightly above average. You're looking at like your C plus, your B minus, whatever. Um, but they've got the potential to really uh, put themselves in a position where they're looking a lot, a lot better by the end of the season. Because there are, again, we look at winnable games on the schedule. They certainly are there. But to do that, to go out and win those, you're going to have to really play solid full games. And we haven't really seen a whole lot of that so far, at least in league play. So if they go out there and they get another couple wins, uh, I would definitely be really impressed. Uh, one team that is always a plus is our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off your school spirit all season long. Y'all, it's getting cold out. They've got hoodies. They've got sweaters. They've got some of the, uh, the, the nice varsity jackets. They've got brand new bombers, baby. And they are... Oh. <laughs> all three of us, not you, but the three of us all got new ones today dropped for our schools. Yes. Yes, they did. Yes, they or did. maybe two if you're part of a really elite fan base. I mean, they already had a bunch from K State because they know uh, we're, we're the best, and we we already had gear. one, so now we've got three. Well, we got four, so yeah. But ours are better, is the thing. No, they are not. Ames. I have that one. I mean, that one is pretty cool. I am going to say, Philip, uh, because you kind of, you call them sweaters. I call them crew necks. I'm not kidding, folks. I say it on my show every time. Their fleece, whether it's the crew neck, the hoodie, or the joggers, the most comfortable thing in the world. I have 10 of them. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I have 10 different crew neck sweatshirts from Charlie Hustle. They are that comfortable. I, I, I'm, I've, I think I've reached the point of my dad mode that I'll just wear sweatshirts. I've never been a big sweatshirt guy. I've only been skinny. I think they, they weird and the taper at the bottom. I'm not a big fan on. But like, man, I don't care anymore because I got three kids. So like, I'm let I'm become not concerned with what anyone else around me thinks or is doing. So. It might be time to invest in a Charlie Hustle uh, sweatshirt for myself. So they've got every school except for Cincinnati, the Big 12. But they do have Colorado, and those are some of the more than 30 schools to choose from. They've got you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs. Use the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, for 15% off all non-sale items. It's October, y'all. It's not just that it's cold. Christmas is coming. Hint, hit, nudge, nudge. Make the people in your life happy. For some Charlie Hustle. So use that promo code 101215, 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh. 
One team that I'm not giving an A to is Kansas State. I am giving them a B. A B. I have to be like, I'm, I, this, this is gonna be fun. I can't wait for Scotchman. I, I am. I'm giving them a B. Like I, maybe that's too high based off of preseason expectations, <laughs> but I still feel pretty good about Kansas State. Y'all, is it Avery Johnson time in Manhattan? We're talking about quarterback disputes and battles. Kansas State quarterback Avery Johnson became the first freshman in FBS history to rush for five touchdowns in a single game on Saturday. Are we going with a one? Uh, do we have a new quarterback? Are we going to stick with a two quarterback system? What are we going to do moving forward? I don't know. As an Oklahoma State fan, thanks for saving him for one more week. Really appreciate that, Coach Climate. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving Kansas State a B. Like for me, it's it's they have they lived up to hopes and dreams for this season of being the team that would probably knock out Oklahoma or Texas from Arlington and get there to keep the two SEC schools from competing for the Big Twelve championship. No. They would it shock me if they finished the third best team in the Big Twelve? It would not. It would not. So look, I, I'm giving it a B. I'm 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 not I'm not as disappointed I think as what Scott might be doing. So we'll see what happens there. Jahan, uh, I'll answer a couple things. I, I do think it's time for Avery Johnson. If anyone wants my full, I, I timed it. I think 18 minutes and 37 seconds. Thoughts on this? <laughs> Go to the Bosco's Boys game review. Ultimately. Will Howard is not going to be the legend we all hoped he was. Uh, is the team in place to best uh, fit his skill sets? No. Has he regressed a little bit in his decision-making and play? Yes. But when you have a world-class talent like Avery Johnson, you have to make the move. I don't think it is going to be exclusively Avery Johnson. He's still 18 years old. He's still pretty skinny. I think we're going to still see a handful of Will Howard snaps most games. And I think before the year is done, we're going to have to have Will Howard win us a game, but it is the Avery Johnson era. Uh, Will Howard is a Big 12 championship quarterback. He's going to go down as a cult hero, not an all-time legend. When it comes to K-State's grade at the midseason point, it's a D plus. It is a failing grade. Uh, In no world, even with as good as Missouri could end up being, that there, it, it was an it was an abject failure. It is going to be a loss that is seared into my brain for rest of my life. That game, yes, it took a SEC record field goal to win the game at the buzzer at home in front of the first sellout crowd in over a decade in Missouri. That is true, but losing that game in that fashion is an absolute failure. Is good as Oklahoma State's final records going to end up being? The way they played that game. And a lot of it at the hand of the wide receivers and uh, Will Howard losing that game in Stillwater. Again, house of horrors. I, I get it. But that's still an absolute failure. There is no reason why K-State shouldn't be undefeated in the top 15, maybe even top 10 right now, based on where their preseason expectations and where the AP and coaches had them at the beginning of the season. All that said, hey, they can still rebound. They can still get to a 9-3 and three record. If they can beat Texas, I mean, hey, win out, you're still in Arlington. Everything that K-State uh, wants to accomplish can still be there. But at this point, I it, it is a failing grade. Uh, I, there's no world where it's not a failing grade at this point in the season from my point of view. I agree with most of uh, what Scott says. To me, that's a C minus. I don't think that you know because I, I think that there are some teams that we're going to get to that are that, that are real failing teams. I, I don't quite have. Oh, Kansas I got State some theory. Fs. I got okay. some Fs. Good, 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 good. Well, you're just a tough grader then. But I think that you know, for me, again, 
our expectations of Kansas State aren't off the table yet. So for me, it's not a full failing grade uh, at this point. But certainly, I, I mean, the way that they lost Oklahoma State was shocking. And again, maybe that ends up not looking so bad. But the way they did it, it is still shocking. Uh, to to be, like you said, in that game with Missouri, the way that it happened is, is pretty shocking. And, you know, the, even in the, in the games against UCF and Texas Tech, it hasn't been as dominant as I hoped that it would be so far this year. Now, again, maybe they found something with Avery Johnson and that's going to carry them through. That might just be the answer. Uh, and, and again, like you said, a lot of winnable games left on the schedule as well. Um, but I, I do just feel like, I do feel like my question coming into the year for Kansas State was, okay, where is that dynamic play going to come from on offense? Where is the Deuce Vaughn, the Malik Knowles, that sort of thing going to come from on offense? And right now, Ben Sinnott, who again, like I said, uh, averages 14,000 yards per game whenever I watch, uh, he's leading the team in in yards, but like, that's not really where you want to be in the receiving game, especially now. Again, if, if Avery Johnson is just going to like be a dynamic player as a runner, then then that helps. I just, I personally feel differently about the team though if it's having to lean on a freshman to kind of take them through. I, I think that that just changes the way. You know, it, can they get to Arlington that way? I think it's possible, but it's much much more difficult when you have to trust that a freshman isn't going to lose you a game or two because he probably is. So, you know, I. To me, it's a C minus. The goals are still on the table. I think that they're unlikely to reach my goals, which was being top two in the conference. But uh, that's still enough for me to give them a C minus at this point. And we'll see what happens from here. I mean, they still have Texas on the schedule. And if they beat, if they win that game, then obviously uh, everything's kind of back in good shape. I will say I, I do like that K-State's level and like the expectations like, hey, you know, a, a three score win in Lubbock and basically until the dying seconds, a three-score win over UCF. We're thinking like, ah, not as dominant as we would have liked. The, the reason why my grades at this point, why I'm happy to hear you say that is because I, I do think the expectations for this season and for Chris Kleiman moving forward is so high. So uh, as hard of a grader as I am, it's music to my ears being like, yeah, three scores on the road at Lubbock. Eh, not that impressive for this team. I love that. That That's my favorite thing I've heard this, like the entire night. Oh, I, I, I felt like that was good. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, I know we're going long. I'm I'm being, you know, you're, efficient. You're, you're good, JSJ. You're you good. just don't want to get to the point where we talk about volleyball and K-State sweeping Iowa State. Oh, no. It's, look. Uh, they, okay, quick digression, because, no, their <laughs> environment the there. never no, going to talk Their environment again. there looks incredible. Like, that is so sick. I've been looking because... I know that their attendance is really high, especially for the fact that like they're they're a fine, like solid team, but they're not like ranked and their attendance is unreal. I haven't been able to watch a ton, but that match was popping. That was amazing. No, I'm super jacked up about that just for the conference. Like I'm bummed Iowa State lost, but that's like really, really cool to see that environment. I hope they go win a bunch more. Honestly, like, obviously, as we all know, losing Texas and Oklahoma really doesn't matter all that much, but it does suck a little bit to lose Texas volleyball because this is a heck of a, ba- of a volleyball conference, man. Yeah. This is a really, really good volleyball conference. BYU and UCF are really good, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Joining, a, you know, those one-time Final Four participant Baylor Bears, you know, it's, it's no big deal. BYU, Houston. Houston's very good. Uh, Houston's good, yeah, too. Houston's very good right now, too. 
Uh, Let's talk about how bad Texas Tech is at Texas Tech. Now, let me – okay, D. I'm not giving them F because I was not as high on them in the preseason. Like, the whole, like, Texas Tech is the dark horse. Brett McMurphy putting them, like – in a New Year's Six Bowl because they're going to win the Big 12. I was just like, let's let's slow the roll a little bit. That said, they've still way underachieved on expectations. The offensive play calling, I feel so bad for Tech fans, is just where it continues to be absolutely confounding. Kitley liked to run the ball at previous stops. Like it, I know it's spread offense, but like he just seems to refuse to do it despite how obvious it is the passing attack isn't working. It happened when last night. Or Saturday night when Morton went down, you're like, hey, we got a true freshman. Let's just have him keep airing the ball out. Interception, interception, interception. I think he's still throwing interceptions right now as we speak. It happened against West Virginia when Shuck went down. It's like, yeah, yeah, forget Taj Boyd. Forget that we have this incredible running back at Texas Tech. Let's just keep throwing the ball. Texas Tech is ninth in EPA per rush. They're 104th in EPA per pass. Cool. PFF ranks Texas Tech's rushing attack as 20th, their passing attack, as 118. Texas Tech is bottom 25 in the following stats. Passing yards per completion and passes had intercepted. But please, keep airing the ball out and don't give it to Taj Brooks. Give him 17 carries. It's not like you were like, oh, well, we're down by 10 points. We can't run the ball anymore. Really? Is that is that not a... I'm giving him a D because I didn't think they should be in Arlington good, but I didn't think they should be this bad either. It has not just been that they have lost so as many games as they have. It's they keep inventing new ways to lose games. It is absolutely confounding to see D and I won't put a minus on there just because I like our show Tortillas and takes. I, so I'm, I'm right on that. Like, C minus D plus line. I, I think that for me, you go look back at every individual game. It's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I mean, it's they they it sucks that they lost it, but like they haven't had a moment that's just been a disaster by any means. And, and they've, I mean, like you said, they've cycled through three quarterbacks while that's happened. I, I think that, you know, I, I definitely understand the complaint and the criticism about, uh, about not giving Taj Brooks the ball more, but, I think that a big part of this is that they do not trust their running back depth at all. Like they, they are so terrified that Taj Brooks is going to get hurt and that they don't trust what they have behind him. Because I mean, you look at their, their carry list. I mean, it is Taj Brooks at 131 and that number two is, is 24, right? Like nobody else is carrying the ball except for that dude. And so I think that that's a big part of it is that they're trying to like keep him healthy. Now, I do think that the other part of this is that you're just kind of at the point where maybe you just have to lean on him. Like you're playing with a true freshman quarterback who, by the way, is not Avery Johnson. And so you probably (laughs) don't need to be putting that much on him. I'm going to be very curious to see, uh, you know, with this game against BYU this upcoming weekend to kind of see like, what is the game plan? Cause you, you know, again, they, they built a game plan around Baron Morton, who's been playing pretty well over the past couple of weeks. It's hard to just throw that out whenever you have a true freshman step into the game. But I'll tell you what else, man. I what what the hell is going on over there with quarterback injuries? Like it is, it is nuts. This has been going on for like a decade. This is crazy. Patrick Mahomes is the only man who has ever survived Lubbock, Texas. It's <laughs> never happened other than that. Everybody else is broken and maimed. I don't understand it. Uh, I, I mean, part of it is just that they don't have a great offensive line, but 
they got to figure that, that out, man. That that is going to be such a big part. You can you can recruit all the great receivers that you want, but if you're not going to be able to protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter a whole lot. But I, I think for me, you know, it, I, I just look at their their results and like they've had bad breaks. They've lost obviously close games. And sometimes that just happens. I don't think it fundamentally changes how I think about them. And so for me, that's that's leaning closer to the C minus mark. But they've kind of got to finish strong for me to feel really good about that C minus grade. So I'm a tough grader. I'm emotional. I don't have to answer to anyone. I'm just an unhinged K State fan, and I bought into the Texas Tech hype. I bought into uh, the the McGuire hype. I, I thought, okay, hey, they got a coaching staff. They have a good roster. They're, they're they might not get to Arlington, but hey, they're going to be a contender for nine, ten wins. You know, if things go bad, eight or seven, they might not go to a bowl game. Uh, I, I, you know, if it, I actually, I, I would love to see like the live overs and unders. Uh, it, you know, their their new win total might be right at six if they're readjusting. Uh, you know, I had high expectations, and yes, you know, uh, the the game out in Laramie. Uh, it went to overtime. It was still a loss. Yeah, they collapsed versus Oregon, but it was still a loss. And then again, they have a, a home crowd. Uh, you know, they have the lead in the third quarter versus K-State. And then they're just like, no, nah, we're just going to throw away anything. We're successful. And uh, we're just going to, you know, you know, four verts every single play. Uh, you, you can't you can't ignore uh, all of that. Uh, so I, I'm giving them an F. I think they have been a failure. And you know, maybe, you know, they beat BYU and can get up to a D plus. Uh, but right now, I mean, they, they're just in the doldrums of failing. And maybe it's on me. Maybe it was I shouldn't have bought in. Maybe it's the preseason hype. I shouldn't have put them in the AP cl- course. You know, that's on me. I'm the guidance counselor. That's partly a failure on me. But where my expectations were, it's an F. Yeah, Philip, I, I keep going back to our preseason episode where I uh, unfortunately had no idea what was going on. Uh, I also, <laughs> besides my computer, I also fixed my phone, so I get all my texts now. That's good. I had About no time. idea how many I was missing. That was that was messed up. I wasn't getting texts. I looked. I had three in a row from Philip that I had not gotten, and I had completely ignored. I texted him back. I'm like, hey, buddy, sorry. I didn't get any of these. He thought I was just blowing him off. Um but you you kinda you kinda saw the vision here with this one and even so I, I don't believe that you would have predicted exactly how uh poorly this season has played out for Texas Tech. It's been a it's it's honestly been a little bit painful to watch for for many reasons. Like, I like to assume that uh, your story was a metaphor for what happened whenever they call run plays. That it just, <laughs> they're just not getting somewhere out there. That, uh, somebody lost the play sheet that calls run plays. And so, you know, that was all related. They all like flipped them upside down at some point. And uh, there's, there's just been some, uh, some excessive level of miscommunication. And even that I don't think could account for exactly what is happening out there on the field for the Red Raiders. To your win total point, Scott, <clears throat> no team in the history of the big 12 conference that's ever started. Owen two has made it to a bowl game. Just going to remind everyone of that stat. I did the research myself. It's accurate <clears throat> and relevant for Texas Tech and Baylor this year. All right. Um, we're on to the four teams that didn't play this weekend. Let's, I know we're going long. I apologize. Uh, Oklahoma, A+. They're not just 6-0. and They're 6-0 and against the spread. Venables has done yeoman's work to convert this team from the Riley all-offense, no defense, to a team that plays good defense and is actually balanced. Like, 
I'm not going to play the, if Texas and Oklahoma met on a neutral field a second time, like they met on a neutral field, Oklahoma won. Let's not play this game. I give them an A plus. Like I, it's, they've been, I, it's, they've been really damn good. When you are six and zero against the closing line spread and you've been favored by double digits in some games, folks, you, you're, um, you're, you're having, you are, uh, what is the term? Exceeding expectations. Student demonstrates an above grade level understanding of the targeted skill or concept. Congratulations, Oklahoma. I can't believe that that Cincinnati game closed at plus 13. Like, yeah. oh man, it, it ended up being a 14 point game. They have like some, some games that feel like spiritual non-covers, but <laughs> they, you know, like that SMU game. Like, come on. I can't believe that that really counts the cover in our book. But it, it does. It does. It counts the cover. Um, no, I mean, I'm going to give them an A. I, I, there's some, like, there's still some things offensively that I don't feel awesome about. Like, and and look, they're 6-0. and They're whatever, you know, top seven or eight in the country right now. Like, and they deserve it. They are the favorite to win the Big 12. I still just have my eye on some of those offensive issues, some of those lulls that they have. Uh, now, again, since since uh, you know father-in-law Gate, they, their offensive coordinator has <laughs> has done a very good job of uh, of trying to put that behind him. And I, I mean, so ultimately, I do think you know this is probably still the favorite in the Big Twelve. This is probably the team that I think uh, you know you have to feel good about coming out of the conference. But I don't know, I. I just, I don't know what it is. I can't get there fully on Oklahoma. And maybe that's me just being stubborn because of what I expected from them uh, early in the season. But I don't know. I, there are just some questions that I have about their offense that I don't feel like have been fully answered. A plus, literally everything Philip said, I I'd wrote down on my notes. So, uh, you know, Philip not only is super handsome, but super smart as well. Yeah, my notes too. They're, <laughs> they're just out of frame. <clears throat> uh, That's it. Okay. The other half of Red River, Texas. I'm giving him an A, not an A plus. <clears throat> and because look, the red zone issues we have pointed out cost you against Oklahoma. Can you get those fixed? Because if not, you're going to lose to Oklahoma again in Arlington, probably in another close game, and really hate the fact that you thought you were going to head to the SEC better than Oklahoma and alas, no, they're still going to be better than you even after a coaching change and a, and a six and seven season. So like, look, it, it, this is not the Texas of old. This is not the Texas of the last decade. This is a good Texas football program. They've got some real issues, especially when it comes to offense in the red zone. They've uh, and, and just wasted opportunities. They have got to figure out and I'm probably sure that's something they've been working on the last two, you know, with this idle week that they're, uh, they're going to be coming off of. So, but still they get an A also it sees expectations, even though expectations for this team were very high to start the season. For me, it's an A minus. I mean, I think that heading into the year, they were the overwhelming favorite to win the big 12 and at the halfway point, they are not the overwhelming favorite to win the big 12 and are arguably not the favorite to win the big 12 with Oklahoma potentially surpassing them. Some of that's not their fault, but to me, me, I mean, even after that game, and part of this, of course, like we mentioned, does depend on your evaluation of Oklahoma. But like Texas should have won that game. They, they just flat out should have won that game. And uh, to to not come away with a victory, uh, I, I think to me is below the expectation coming into the year. So A minus, it's still a very good grade. They've done almost everything that they're supposed to do, but they haven't done everything that they're supposed to do. So I, ha- I guess my reputation is the toughest grader. I have it as a B. Um, 
Yes, they went and beat Alabama. Again, I, I was predicting it. You know, I, I took a page from Shahan's book. I, I've been predicting it since March. Um, and, and I also was saying they were going to lose to Houston, which I think is also something Shahan said. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'll, I'll let, I'll let you, I'll, I, you know, I'll let you predict that if you want. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to bail on that prediction. Um, but look, their, their red zone offense is horrible. Um, they should have beat Kansas 60 to 14. The, the lack of points they got in the red zone and allowed KU to stick around in that game, uh, is maddening. They should have beat Oklahoma. Again, it is issues in the red zone. Um, I think that's a big enough issue. And again, what's their most impressive win? You know, it's Alabama, which I kind of, like I said, I expected it. But, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to show anything else. They haven't shown me anything that's like, all right, hey, they're an A. They're slightly above what I expected them to be. If they would have beat Oklahoma, hey, I would have given them an A-. minus. But they didn't. They have a B. And, uh, look, they could still end up in the college football playoff. They could end up in the you know, college football playoff championship game. It's going to be, I imagine, a wild run in in all of, in all of college football. They could be a major player in there. But again, um, beating Nick Saban's worst team since his first year at Alabama. I mean, awesome. They're still going to win ten games down Tuscaloosa. They're still going to be a top fifteen team. But you know, I thought Texas was going to be a top five team. B. I I can't wait to hear all the grading when. Uh, Iowa State decides that it's their time to shine once again, and they say, you know what? We might not get our dream season, but we are here to screw everyone else trying to get theirs. Hey, ticket prices on the Iowa State, Texas are skyrocketing. They look fine right now. They're, they're about where you kind of expect them. They're looking pretty good, but it's coming. It's coming I- for you, Texas. I feel like I just like have to push back on the idea that because like they've met their expectations, but their expectations were insane, right? Like we're, we're crazy. And so like, it's not the same thing as West Virginia meeting their expectations, right? Like it, it's a different kind of deal to actually do it. And again, like, like, I mean, I like they did some things to me that were their fault to blow that game. Like I, I, I think, Think that some people are like, oh well, you know, it's just a really well played game, and Oklahoma just had no, like, like Texas did not play all that well. They missed on opportunities. They shot themselves in the foot at times, and and this red zone thing, it, it is real. I think that if they, they don't work out some of these red zone issues, which I don't know if they will, because I think a lot of them are offensive line issues, they're going to lose a game. They're going to lose another game. I think in the second half of the year, I don't think that they're going to be able to get through unscathed if they don't fix these red zone issues and. Again, you start to look at at some of the games that they won early in the year. Again, like that that Baylor game doesn't look all that impressive. Uh, you know the the Wyoming game they they through three quarters were tied. Like they haven't been consistently dominant, but at the same time, I mean they have looked the part in a year where there really aren't very many teams that have looked the part. They have looked the part, and so I do think that even just meeting the expectations that were put on them is is still good enough to get into the A tier. November eighteenth, Oklahoma at BYU, Texas at Iowa State. Just gonna, just gonna mention that particular Saturday uh, as we get to the last two. UCF D minus, and I don't know why I haven't given you an F because of the four teams coming in, the highest expectations were for UCF, the team that everyone circled and said if there's one of them that could finish in the top half of the of the conference standings, it's UCF. 
And I, I had high, like, I understand John Rice Plumley has been injured and that has had a major effect on this team. Like it wasn't particularly close against Kansas state. It wasn't particularly close against Kansas. And Oh, by the way, your worst loss is the one where you lost by one and blew a 28 point lead to Baylor at home at home. Mind you, I, it, they looked good in non-con. Like I know the Boise state win was close, but it's a tough place to go play. It conference play has been an utter disaster for them. D minus. The whole deal with them was that they were supposed to be talent wise, the most ready team. And you look at, again, you look at uh, metrics like the two, four, seven talent composite, and they were in the same range as the Oklahoma States, as the Baylors, you know? And so for them to be this far away, I, I think is really disappointing. To me, they're an F. I, I think that they were a team that, you know, a lot of people, including myself, thought could push for seven or eight. We, they, we definitely felt like this was the one team that was guaranteed a bowl game. And now it turns out they might be, I mean, I, again, the battle for worst place in the Big 12 is quite a battle this year. And uh, again, if you had told me preseason that it wouldn't include West Virginia, I mean, that's obviously blowing my mind a little bit. But I mean, UCF is right there with them. I mean, they have not looked good. I, I thought that even with John Rice Plumley in the lineup, they'd have some issues. I, I think that he's the kind of quarterback that would have been awesome in the Big 12 like 12 years ago. And the entire conference is now built to put him in a straitjacket. And we haven't even really gotten to see it, like, like truly. And so, you know, I, I just think that this this roster is also better than the three games that we've gotten so far. To, to lose pretty big against Kansas State, to allow the comeback against a horrible Baylor team, and to get destroyed the way they did against Kansas. So, look, are, are they going to finish last place in the Big 12? I, I would bet against it right now. But, like... Holy crap, guys. Like you I, I just did not see them being the team that has flopped uh this hard. And I mean, I think that you could make the case at this point that, you know, I mean it, it depends. What do you value more? A UCF win over Boise State who doesn't look all that good, or a Cincinnati win over Pittsburgh who looks terrible? Like that's what you're weighing at this point to try to figure out who is the, the worst of the newcomers. And UCF should not be a team that's in this conversation. They just shouldn't. Yeah, it's an F. Uh, you, you said it. You took the words right out of my mouth. Again, uh, I'm not giving them credit for beating Boise State. Boise State is bad. This is not, you know, uh, BCS Buster Broncos of Boise State. This is bad Boise State. This is who they are now. Um, I'm not giving them any credit for that. Uh, again, I, I thought they were going to be good. The the whole refrain from their very online, very young, and, and honestly, very fun fan base. I enjoyed interacting with each and every one of them that I did at Manhattan Brewing Company on Points Avenue in case anyone ever ends up in Manhattan for a football game. Interacted with multiple of them, of the UCS fans. I enjoy, you know, the Sons of UCF podcast, but they all said, we are power six, power five ready. We are ready to compete in the Big 12. And it's been a massive disappointment. I know it was a premeditated con or uh, contract extension for Gus Malzahn, but man, quietly get that through. You can't be publicizing that when when I I'm thinking, hey, you know, this time next year he might be on the hot seat if they don't figure it out. So yeah, I'm giving them an F, and I'm putting Gus Malzahn on the hot seat as well. Yeah, it if if you're holding them to the same standard as the other couple 
that I've discussed here of the newcomers. They've won their non-conference. They've lost every game in conference play. And the way that they've lost is not inspiring. So for, again, you know, Scott, you're talking about how they kind of were setting themselves up that they're going to be the ones that are, that are much more prepared. That's just, that's just factually incorrect. Um, To lose that Baylor game is a big, big ding against them because when you're in control and then you melt down like that, there's, there's a lot of factors that have to go wrong uh, in order to lose a game like that. And none of them really bode well for uh, a season as a whole. So uh, they can certainly go out and win a couple games, especially because they do play both Cincinnati and Houston, you know, other newcomers, maybe they can beat up on each other a little bit, but I really wouldn't be surprised for them to go through and not win a single game against an incumbent team. And that includes both West Virginia and Oklahoma state, which a at the beginning of the year, West Virginia, I would have said, oh, for sure, I'd be picking UCF. And then even a couple weeks ago, I would have said Oklahoma State uh, should absolutely be beaten by them as well. They got to fix that. So, they got to fix that run bad. defense. It's awful. God, that run defense is non-existent for UCF. All right, last school, Baylor F. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quote from uh, Baylor athletic director Mac Rhodes uh, that he gave on 365 Sports. "Quote: No one is okay with Saturday's performance. This is after last week's day, or two weeks ago. I was certainly completely disappointed, and certainly no one's okay with two and four at this point, halfway through the season. I'm not, and I know our fan base isn't, or anybody tied to the program. When your 80s coming out and saying stuff like this, y'all, um." Is DJ is GJ Kenny happy? Is is one season enough at Texas State? Or is is he gonna it's be not, a, but it's not. No, it's not. Uh, it's not. Of uh Baylor was not on my list of schools that would be open at the end of this year, but the way this is going, like I I'm like congrats on the massive comeback win over UCF so that you're not in last place. But it's hard to like I can't take that as some like data point of like, no, Baylor's okay. Like yeah i mean I'll, I'll read the beginning section of our iowa proficiency school whatever thing uh student shows little understanding of the concept additional teacher support is needed and uh mac Rhodes has stepped down to do some teaching man like he's, he's, <laughs> he's come down and said like oh, we need to do different things on offense when your athletic director is talking about how you structure your team that's probably not great uh the other thing is, I don't know why anybody's talking about the offense, frankly, because the defense has been the thing that's been horrendous, and that's Dave Aranda's thing. Like, their run defense is abysmal. Like, it is it is unbelievably bad. I I, I mean, like, I, I don't know how low this grading scale goes. Like, after Z, does it go to, like, double A? Like, I, I don't know exactly how low we can go, but wherever we can go, that's where this is. It is incomprehensible that Baylor is this bad like you could not have explained to me before the season that it could be this bad and you know the thing is I I do think that there's a decent chance that uh that they're gonna try to find some way to fire some assistance and bring Aranda back because I think that that buyout is pretty significant uh after obviously he got a contract extension in 2021 but this is a like this is a do or die moment for Baylor's program in a lot of ways, I think, because you obviously have the four teams coming in, you have four coming in next year. I, I mean, and when you have these transitions are 
when you ultimately kind of remake yourself. Baylor remade themselves in 2011-2012 into one of the Big 12's leading programs after that realignment. And they were able to carry it all the way through for a decade. And if they go into the next realignment, essentially, the next two or three years as a bottom-feeding program, I think that that could be a long-term issue that Baylor's going to have to solve. So the timing could not be worse. The performance could not be worse. The situation could not be worse. Recruiting is falling apart. Uh, Structurally, I think that they're in a really bad place. The team appears to have given up on their coaches at the moment. And... uh, yeah, so see so what they do coming out of the bye because uh, it's real bad, man. It's real bad. Yeah, F minus. I had them uh, with my worst grade. Uh, I was verbalizing in the final like build up, the final two weeks in the season. I, I kept saying to myself, "I think the entire off season, I, I was too low on Baylor. They might, they might make some noise." And then <laughs> the game versus Texas State, and then. Uh, I mean, once I saw that final score, I didn't watch a second of it. Um, I saw the final score, and I, I thought it was wrong. I, 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 I thought something was a typo. I thought my app was wrong. I thought the score inside the K State game was wrong. Um, yeah, I, I can't add anything more to it. Just dreadful. Yeah, it's not good. This is a tarot card I just pulled. It's just a guy stabbed with a bunch of swords, and that's kind of what Baylor looks like. <laughs> You could say that. I, I mean, again, it's just like I I entered Baylor in 2012. So obviously I was there for a good period, of course. Like, I mean, there were many bad years before that. But I think the thing that shocked me, and I was down there for the Baylor-Texas game, is that that was one of the first games that I remember watching Baylor play where I'm like, oh, they just don't have good enough players. It They could bring in the greatest schematic minds in the history of football, and their players are just not very good. They're not well coached. They are not on the same page. They don't, uh, they aren't big enough. They aren't strong enough. They aren't fast enough. And, you know, granted, they play, they're playing against a Texas team that might be a top five team in the country. But, like, even in 2017, when they went 1-11, it was like, oh, okay, they're not ready yet. But you can see some of these guys, right? You can see, oh, this this James Lynch dude is he's gonna be a dude in a couple of years. Charlie Brewer, like he's he's got some like moxie to him. He, he's gonna do some nice stuff. I don't I don't know a player on this roster who I can project to say, I mean, I don't want to say could start almost anywhere else in the Big 12, but like we are almost at that point where there are a number of players on this roster who would not start on half of the teams in the Big 12. And it's, again, it is legitimately shocking. I think it speaks to recruiting, but I think it also speaks to player development because their recruiting class have not been that bad. And uh, I mean, I don't, it's it's just, again, it is legitimately incomprehensible what I'm watching every single Saturday. And uh, they had a bye week this week. And, and seriously, I mean, they, they better come out of it with something because I don't understand how this team finishes anything other than last. Uh, well, maybe second to last because they beat UCF, so they'll have that tiebreaker. But uh, but they are one of the two or three worst teams in the Big Twelve, and probably one of the five to eight worst teams in the Power Five right now. It's uh, mm, definitely not what we expected after twenty twenty one from Dave Aranda. So uh, Baylor is going to be a team to watch the rest of the way, but not 
for normal reasons, but for very different ones. Uh, we have gone long, and so I'm we're going to skip our looking ahead to next weekend because there's a full slate of six games that are all worth keeping an eye on for a variety of different reasons. From you know, hopefully John Rice plump plump. Or you got you got Dylan Gabriel versus UCF. Uh, you got West Virginia OSU, which should be interesting. Houston's been waiting to get Texas at their campus forever, and now they probably wish they didn't have to have this game. Uh, Baylor bouncing back at Cincinnati, potentially. The Battle of the Purple, TCU, Kansas State, Texas Tech, BYU. Like, we got a whole slate of good games coming up this week, and I know you're all going to enjoy. Uh, before you do that, do yourself a favor. Make sure that you are following our friends here on the social media platforms. We are at 1012 Network, T-E-N number 12. We're network on Twitter uh, and Blue Sky at 1012Plod on uh, on Instagram. And what's the other one? Threads. Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Scott, plug it all, bud. Uh, Bosco's boys still uh, five shows a week. Going to keep that going at least through football season, maybe through the end of the year. Uh, something I've, I've been trying to say, uh, you know, at the beginning of every week on the Monday pod, be a friend, tell a friend something nice, try to make somebody's day this week. Uh, and I think it's very important. We all use sports as an outlet for distraction. Uh, be that distraction for one of your friends. Try to make their day, try to make their week. Also shout out to my dog, Chauncey. He's the best. Ah, uh, Chauncey. Uh, Shahan. Yeah. You can follow me uh, at Shahan J. Raja on, let me think it's Twitter. Blue Sky, Threads, Instagram. I don't know. If you find a Shahan Jiraj on social media, I, I'm assuming it's probably me. So just look for me there. <laughs> if you find one that's not him, please DM. Yeah, like, we need please. the link. DM it to us all directly. We yeah, must find this person. I, we will adopt this other Shahan as well. <laughs> you won't believe it, but uh, pretty easy to get my name on all social platforms. There's one other Jamie Steyer out there. I've said that before. She's a realtor. I hope she's doing awesome. <laughs> there's another Sh- I actually did. If there's another Shahan. I, I actually did I want see- him on the show because I want to fool everyone into believing that we got this Shahan on the show again. And it's someone completely <laughs> different. There, there uh, is a Sri Lankan politician and a Sri Lankan cricket player named Shahan. So, like, I think I'm actually the third most followed Shahan on social media. So, <laughs> but I might have actually passed one of them. I, I need to check. I need to check. Uh, but I did actually see because I saw that Marcus Freeman, uh, the Notre Dame coach, his Twitter handle is Marcus underscore Freeman one. And so I was like. Dang, he couldn't get at Marcus Freeman or at Marcus underscore Freeman. Like, it was too late whenever he joined up. And uh, I checked, and I think that the (laughs) – I checked at Marcus Freeman just out of curiosity – some random dude who hasn't tweeted since 2009 and his last tweet was like man i saw the sixth harry potter movie didn't like the ending and that's his last tweet (laughs) from 2009 (laughs) uh and you can follow jamie at j-s-t-e-y-z on twitter if you're listening on monday you can watch you and i at drake volleyball because it's gonna be a banger and uh well i'm calling it is the thing the important part. Of course. You're not playing <laughs> volleyball. You're just, no way now. No, no. <laughs> It'll be fun. Missouri Valley. Check it out, everybody. All right. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to make picks for the week. Thanks for sticking through all the way, everybody. Have a good week.
Social Podcast Network.